You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Robert Smith, host of the Fair Game podcast, and today we got a good one for you. Our guest today joins us from Perry, Georgia, where he's the director of commercial sales for the Georgia National Fair. Folks, this is my friend Ashley Brown. Ashley, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Robert. Thanks for having me. So for my nine listeners, why don't you give us a little background on who you are and how you came to be with the Georgia National Fair? All right. Um, well, I, again, my name's Ashley Brown. I have been here at uh, the uh, Georgia National Fairgrounds and Agri Center. Uh, February 2nd was my 17th anniversary. Um, you know, we always count in fairs, but of course, 2020 throws a monkey wrench in that. Uh, you, when you start going, normally it's, I've been here 18 fairs. Well, I've been here 17 fair. Okay, let's just... We can forget counting that way at this point, but so it's been a full 17 years for me. Um, so um, as far as how I decided to kind of do this, um, when I was in college, there was a job opening here at the Georgia National Fairgrounds for the sponsorship coordinator position. I came, interviewed for it, um, got that job, and I started off as the sponsorship coordinator here for the fairgrounds. Uh, then after a, about two years there, I, st- I took over the entertainment. I took over the entertainment, so I did the sponsorships and our uh, free entertainment, our own grounds entertainment uh, that we do. Then a little bit farther down the line there, uh, my boss retired and, well, before that happened actually, I then transitioned our commercial sales department as a commercial sales representative. After my boss retired, I became the commercial sales director and also took over our um, big name concerts and things that we do during the fair as well. Um, in addition to doing um, you know, some of the settlement stuff with our uh, carnival company, um, with um, doing the game games, game inspection, um, midway settlement, uh, as well as um, a few, taking over the food vendors. I took over the food and all of the outside commercial vendors. Uh, during the fair and help oversee the inside commercial vendors. So kind of wear many hats during the fair. Is there anything, let me, maybe I should have asked, is there anything you don't do at the fair? Because after that, it sure seems like you do everything on the fairgrounds at some point. It it feels like it a lot of days, um, but uh, uh, it takes a full team to kind of pull everything together. Um, And it's one of the things I always joke and say, it's always amazing because there's, it doesn't matter how long you've been here or how much you have written down, how many notes you have and in the back of your mind, the things that you know have to get done at some point, either right before the fair opens or while the fair is going on, all of a sudden you go, oh, my Lord, I forgot to do this. And you start thinking about something you forgot to do. And nine out of 10 times when you go run to do it, you find out, gosh, that, somebody took care of that. I wonder who did this. Um, I, don't, I didn't know anybody knew to do this other than me. And he'll find out that, that something's gotten done. Um, but then again, I, I always have uh, fun finding something during the fair where I'll know somebody forgot to do this or somebody missed this. And, you know, I take it upon myself. I'm going to just go ahead and do it. I don't let them know that I did it and don't let them know why or that I thought about it. Just, no, we'll just let them get a nice, happy surprise later. So, so. You just you just quietly taking care of things all over the grounds, and it sounds like you got a good team there that that really produces a fantastic fair. How many folks do you have on staff there typically? 
Um, typically, um, up until this point, we've had about 65 here on staff. Uh, we're down, we've got uh, 52 on staff right now um, with uh, some COVID cutbacks and that type thing. And, um, and, you know, some of those are people that they, you know, found another job and we've just not been able to replace that position at this point. But uh, hopefully here in the near future, we'll be able to get back up to at least near full staff. Well, we certainly hope so. We know we've spoken with so many fair managers that have had to furlough people. And as we've often seen in this industry, that's this family and friends. That's not, you know, some right. random employee that you, there's not really an emotional connection to. We, we are all, you know, we build this industry together um, to build terrific fairs. So we hope you get all your staff back at some point here this year. Um, speaking of your fair, tell us a little bit about it. When do you run? What's your attendance look like? Uh, let's see, uh, we run annually, the, to be precise, the fifth Thursday after Labor Day. Uh, so that will, this year, that's October 7th through the 17th, uh, 2021. Um, as far as our attendance uh, for the 2019 fair, uh, obviously, uh, us, like everybody else, we were unable to have a fair in 2020. Uh, but for 2019, we did a little over 565,000 people. Uh, that was our biggest fair ever. So you're running just over half million and you run what, 10, 11 days, 11 days. That's fantastic. It's that's um, to be able to run that. And I haven't driven through Perry before. I mean, it's not, it's not Metro Atlanta, you know, it's, it's um, not a huge city and, but you've got really, clearly you've got a really good, good community that come comes out and supports your fair. Do you find um, when you're talking to fair goers, are your fair guests, coming out once they coming out multiple times during the fair what do you what do you tend to see with that really and truly it sort of depends on where they are uh there's a lot of people that i know uh here in the local area in the perry uh warner robbins uh area that they buy season tickets they plan on coming to the fair every single day um there's some of the just the diehard people that you know not a day is going to go by that they don't come to the fair and do something uh, at least come out and eat lunch, walk around, spend their lunch hour. They may come back with the family in the evenings, uh, those type things. Um, some of the people that tend to drive, you know, they're coming from Atlanta or um, we get a lot of people from the Tallahassee and Valdosta area. Uh, they may come up and spend the night, stay for a day or two. That may be their one time. Um, there's, I do have lots of friends that live, you know, are maybe around two hours or so from here. And they usually come a couple of times uh, throughout the course of the fair. Uh, it may be like a Saturday, Sunday or type thing. They'll come down one weekend, come back the next weekend. So it, it is interesting. Um, one, of, one of my favorite um, couples uh, that uh, I used to see every year during the fair, and they have um, gotten older now, so they're unable to um, you know, come down here like they once were. Um, but I met a couple, I guess it's been probably close to 15 years ago, and they were from Minnesota. And literally every year for the fair, they got in their RV and they drove from Minnesota all the way down to Perry, Georgia. And they stayed at one of the local RV parks and they bought season tickets. They came to the fair for 11 straight days. That was just part of their vacation every single year. And I remember I just, I met them by half. Yeah, it, it, it was. I just, I met them by happenstance. Um, one year out uh, out on our independent midway, um, is, and we were talking, they got to explaining this, and they said, well, yeah, you know, this is, y'all just have the best fair. We we come down, you know, every year, and they were explaining, and I said, so where are you heading after this? They said, oh, we're going back home. We just came for y'all's fair. We, 
you know, we took a, we take a few days, you know, to drive down and we stop a few places on the way down and do a little bit of sightseeing. And this is the destination. We're here. We're enjoying the fair. We'll be here for 11 days. We'll see and do everything. And then we'll meander our way uh, back up to Minnesota again. This is, this was the destination. That's absolutely wild. So I, that, that brings me to my next question. You know, we, clearly you have some level of national audience. We've talked to people from state fairs. We talked to people from county fairs. What makes Georgia a national fair? Well, your story in a nutshell on that, um, the, there was another fair. When this facility was first conceived uh, back in the mid-1980s, um, we had, uh, there was another local uh, facility up in Macon, um, that took place at Central City Park. It was called the Georgia State Fair. Um, it was not owned or operated by the state of Georgia. The state of Georgia actually did not have a state fairgrounds type facility. Um, the Georgia State Fair was started back in the 1850s uh, by a uh, civic group, and it kind of it changed hands a few times. You know, is a big uh, fundraiser type thing uh, with different different civic groups, and they had the rights to the name the Georgia State Fair. Um, well, when the state of Georgia uh, decided that we needed a facility uh, and kind of your story of how that that came about was uh, one of our, our local legislators here, um, State Representative Larry Walker, um, his children were showing uh, up at uh, the other facility and it was in dire need of um, being renovated and upgraded and you know, just things were kind of, you know, deteriorating there. And it was the official state livestock show. And he said, you know what, we just, our children need better facilities to show in this. He went to the speaker of the house and explained to him that here's what we need to do. I'd like for us to try to come up with, you know, some state money, a couple hundred thousand dollars to help this facility. And, you know, let's put some money into it. And the speaker of the house said, well, that sounds good. We need to go uh, see the governor. I'll make us an appointment. They went to see uh, Governor Joe Frank Harris and, as uh, Representative Walker said, they walked in the door and um, the Speaker Murphy uh, looked at the governor and he said, uh, well, uh, Mr. Walker here, he's come to me. Uh, uh, he needs money. Uh, so our children have a facility uh, that's proper to show livestock in. And he said, all right, well, how much money are you looking for? And, you know, Representative Walker said he was cringing a little bit, thinking, gosh, we're about to ask the governor for $100,000. I don't know how he's going to take that. And Speaker Murphy looked at him and said, I figure we need around $10 million. And that's it's, uh, As the air sucked out of the room. Yeah. And that's exactly what Larry Walker said. He said, Oh my gosh. He said, Well, you know, my dream is dead. This is gone. And he said, The governor looked at him dead serious and said, All right, done. Y'all just go do the specs and figure out what you need. Oh, that's how it works okay. in Georgia. Yeah, and so they started at that point to go look and find, uh, they took offers from different communities and asked people, you know, hey, well, you know, communities could apply, and they kind of narrowed it down to uh, the top few that they wanted to look at, and then they narrowed it down even further, and it was between Perry and Macon, up north of Macon there, and as they say, when they went to the, uh, the area up in Macon, it was off of the interstate a couple of miles, and, you know, they were trying to see about buying the land uh, from the, the owner there and the, the state was, and they went and talked and, but when they got there to go do the full tour, you know, with some of the legislators and things like that, uh, they were met with 
people that were picketing. Uh, they had lot, you know, they had signs on sticks, no fairgrounds here. You know, they didn't want fairgrounds in that area. Uh, they were concerned about the traffic and this, that, and the other. Okay, well, let's go to the next location, uh, which was here in Perry. And they came down and they were met by several of the local ladies auxiliaries that were out here. And they had um, sweet tea and lemonade and things <laughs> set up out here. And the that city welcoming council, committee. You know, I mean, it was a whole Mayberry thing. The little band is playing welcome fairgrounds, you know, in the signs. And uh, and the city of Perry was looking at the state going, if you like this land, y'all don't have to pay anything for it. We'll buy it for you and just give it to you. So that was a pretty easy decision at that point. Um, a community that wasn't wanting the facility and you're going to have to pay for it or the community that was welcoming you quite literally with a marching band and telling you that they're going to give it to you for free. So that was how uh, the facility became here. And then as far as the name, as I mentioned, the Georgia State Fair, they already own the rights to the name. Uh, so they kind of toyed with the idea of, well, maybe we can buy the name or we, maybe we can you know, do something. And But then it was decided, well, you know what? We, we don't need to be the Georgia State Fair, the Georgia State Fairgrounds. This is going to be bigger than Georgia. You know, it's not just going to be for Georgia. This is going to be for the whole United States. We'll just call it the, the National Fairgrounds, the Georgia National Fairgrounds, because uh, it's bigger than just Georgia. So that's your story uh, there on how the name came to be for Georgia National Fairgrounds. That's pretty fascinating. And I'll tell you, having driven through Perry a time or two, um, especially back when I lived in Orlando and had to drive up to Atlanta, you guys are right on the interstate. So yes, we occupy that's a, a lot. That's mile. a lot more convenient for getting uh, attendees out than if you're four or five miles back in the woods a little bit. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, it's amazing that people, especially during the fair, they ride by and they will see, you know, a, a fair. Um, I, I actually ran into out on the Carnival Midway um, once upon a time, a bride and groom. And he's wearing a full tuxedo. She is in a full wedding dress. And, you know, I, I asked him, like, you know, did you got, I, I'm, obviously you just got married this evening. It was a Saturday night. And they said, well, yes, yeah, so, you know, we we're actually, they were from Kentucky and they had gotten married early in the afternoon and they were driving down to Florida because they were going to leave for a cruise uh, the next day. And as they were coming down I-75, they see the Georgia National Fair taking place and all the carnival rides, they just pulled over, pulled in, decided we're going to go do some carnival rides in our tuxedo and wedding dress. And that so was, they, that threw, was the, they threw the dress and the tux back on and went out and got some yeah. photos and some memories of it. Yes, absolutely. That's it. That's amazing. You know, we, we hear so many great stories on this podcast from fairs about, you know, stories just like that, about cool things guests do and how we connect with our communities. I'm curious if you had a new family coming in and they called you up and they said, Hey, we're new to the area. We want to come out to the fair. What would you suggest a day at the fair look like to them? Well, the first thing I would tell them is if you're planning to come to the fair and spend the day, if you want to really do everything, you need to come plan to be here at least two to three days. If you want to have any hope of getting the bulk of things done, now, that's still not going to get you everything. Um, it, just with our free entertainment, uh, the way I've got the schedule set up and just the amount that we have, if you start at uh, nine o'clock in the morning and you go show to show and you go all the way to 11 o'clock at night, you never have time to take a break. You just have just enough time to walk from one show to the next 
and you never get to see all of them. So just the three shows is, is more than a full day's worth. Uh, so that's not counting all of our livestock shows, um, you know, which take place throughout the course of the fair. And you've got the different types of livestock shows, all of our free concerts, all of our inside vendors and, you know, all of the other traditional things. So, you know, that's one of the things I would tell them, look, plan on coming several different days. Um, but, you know, of course, I would kind of highlight things and go, well, you've got to make sure to see this act and you've got to see this. And it's not the fair unless you go see this and, you know, pick out, you know, a few of my favorite food stops and that, uh, you know, I guess is my taste and then kind of fill them out and go, well, what, what, what do you look for in food? Uh, that's one of the things I generally like to do, you know, on the food is ask people, well, well, what do you like? Do you want something sweet? Do you want something savory? Do you want something deep fried? Are you looking for a healthier option? And I kind of, I kind of got them that way because I, I was one of the things I kind of pride myself on is knowing where all of the good food uh, is during the fair. Speaking of food, is there a, like a signature item that comes out of the Georgia National Fair? Well, I would say our signature item is uh, peach cobbler. Um, I know if you go imagine uh, that in Georgia, peach cobbler. <laughs> That's right. Well, you go to the Big E. They're known for eclairs and yep, you know yep. that type of thing. So a lot of different fairs have their signature item. Uh, that would be ours here at the Georgia National Fair. Would be uh, the peach cobbler uh, that Cox Concessions does here on site. They have special. Uh, little stands. Uh, we have uh, the centerpiece here at the fairgrounds is our clock tower. Well, all of the peach cobbler stands are built like little mini clock towers uh, so that you can see those and they sit around uh, various places uh, on, on site here during the fair as well as other events. Uh, they also uh, use those here on site and it is the best peach cobbler you have ever had. I can imagine. You know, when we drive through Georgia, there's two things that, that Sarah wants, wants to get. She wants something peach, and she wants to stop in Vidalia to get real Vidalia onions. That's right. Oh, That's her thing. Got to get those two. So let's take a look back at 2020. You know, we're right now we're a year. It's March 1st when we record this. We're a year into 15 days to flatten the curve. March 11th rolls around. Houston cancels. The wheels come off the bus. You're still in October. That's you right. still got a ways to go. What are you thinking when all that, it make, you know, March last year, everything starts to fall apart? Well, you know, things started to fall apart and it's kind of like, you know, we were taking everything seriously and going, oh my goodness, well, this is, this is not good. And as people started to cancel that were right there on the cusp of things that, well, I guess I can understand, you know, I, I you know, maybe it's the best idea for them, you know, right now. That's not going to affect us. It'll be much better by October. Everything's going to be gone by October. And as we kept kind of marching that way, and then people would start canceling events going into August. And then in September, we're going, you know, that's a little premature. I wouldn't have canceled it that far out. We're, we're still four months away. Oh, we're still three months away. We're still two months. You know, it kind of got that direction. And then finally in August, as things had not progressed uh, like we had hoped and like it had been projected at that point and as you said we were months into two weeks to flatten the curve at that point um, we had to look at it just from the standpoint of we did not know how we were going to get enough staffing um, to be able to um, pull everything off because we had a lot of uh, our volunteer groups it's, it wasn't worth it for them uh, they they didn't want to take the risk um, even 
you know, some of the ones that they're doing it just for free for charity hours. Yes. They, they, they're not going to jeopardize their health, um, you know, for a warm, fuzzy feeling for some community service. And even some of the ones that, you know, with some of the different civic groups and things that we pay, that's not their job. They're coming out and they're making money for their club as a fundraiser. And those people are going, I'd rather just write a check uh, to the club to cover what I would have worked. So it just kind of like it snowballed. Like we're, we don't have the staffing that we're going to need to do this. And we're trying to figure out how to space people out. And, you know, we had quite a few entertainment acts that started to bail on us at that point. Uh, a lot of the concerts that started to cancel. Um, we had some of the vendors that were pulling out and, you know, we, we're trying to figure out how to space things. How are we going to queue lines and how are we going to space the vendors? And, and then we started to get pressure from, you know, different area, you know, different people of, well, you're going to have to limit your attendance and uh, maybe you can do a, a time ticket stamp and like this, this is not going to work. We, we can't limit attendance. Um, that's, and of course, you know, when somebody's looking at you going, well, just let me, you can just do 20,000 people a day. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's great for a Tuesday. We 20,000 is fine for a Tuesday, but when we have a 95 to a hundred thousand on a Saturday, we, we can't do 20%. We'll right. go, we'll go broke uh, really quickly doing this. And all of the numbers that we ran as far as trying to do a reduced attendance fare and reduced capacity, uh, it was us losing money uh, the whole way around. Um, and we, we felt like we were going to, if we move forward in that aspect, we were not only going to lose money, but we were going to put forth a lesser product. And we, yeah. you know, yeah. we have our standard. We want to deliver the best product we can deliver and the best experience. And, you know, we just couldn't afford to, if we couldn't afford to do it and do it properly, we just, we knew we weren't going to be able to do it. Well, I think it's the smart move at that point. You know, we spoke with Linnell Smith from the Sydney Royal Easter show, and this was probably back in October, November. I don't know if they're, if, you know, the government's changed the rules. Of course, our government seems to change it every other day. So it's probably the same down that way in Australia, but they were going to limit the Sydney Royal Easter show to 50,000 people a day. Well, they get like 985. They're just a a lick under a million. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, on a 12 day show at 50 grand a day, you're looking at, you're already about a 35% reduction in attendance. Mm-hmm. And then when you factor in, that's if you get the, you know, the 650,000, but out of the 650 that can come, if you have a sizable chunk of your population, that's thoroughly spooked by the government and their concerns, what if you only get 420? How do you, now you're 55, 60, you're, there's just no way that you're going to run that's that right. show. When you look at your marketing budget, the payout you're doing for shows, um, you, you know, splits with the carnival, all that stuff, you ain't going to pull it off. You're going to lose right. millions. And I know that when I've spoken with some entertainers, you know, I'm a, um, I do a couple of the Facebook um, groups for entertainers within the fair industry. And there've been some things said by a couple entertainers that were concerning to me. And I think they just don't grasp the big picture that it's not, it's, there's so much that a fair has to decide on. You guys have to look at, you know, are we putting out a good product or are we going to damage the brand? Are people going to come out to the fair and be like, well, Georgia national fair kind of sucks now. Well, maybe they don't grasp that you guys just have to scale it back for a year or two. That's right. That's a big thing. What's your budget going to look like if you do lose 45 or 50% of tenants? How many hundreds of thousands or millions are you going to lose? Do you have the staffing? How much is it going to cost to get you com- what depending your jurisdiction says is COVID compliant? 
all these things that go into this decision. And at some point you reach a deadline where you might say, and I think this is the one that a lot of people miss. There's a deadline out there for every fair. That's right. That you guys on the inside know, you know, if we had another 30 days, we could probably make it happen. But if we don't make the decision now and we're wrong on that, on it, we're going to lose a half million dollars in our marketing budget and our ad spend and all that kind of stuff. It's not an easy decision, but I think for most of the fairs that had to cancel, they were either told to cancel or they, if they made the decision themselves, they made that decision knowing that they were going to fold, walk away from the table and live to come back another day. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And that was, again, that's the position that we were in. Um, and, and like you mentioned, Robert, that's one of the things a lot of people, they don't take into consideration is, would just say on the food, we're a, we're a percentage fair as far as the food. If you're only running at 30% capacity, well, not only are the food concessionaires going to be struggling because they've only got 30% of their revenue, well, on the percentage that uh, we get from them too, we're basically going to get 30% from that. We're only going to get 30% of what we normally do from the carnival on our split with that. And, you know, it, it sort of snowballs in there. And the funny thing is, you know, when you've got a uh, fairgrounds this large and, you know, a, a fair, it really, on our end, it doesn't matter if you've got 100,000 people or 500,000 people, we've got to have the same amount of staffing to take care of the restrooms, to man the gates, to run the security, to do the parking. You've got sunk costs in staffing, so you can reduce everything to 20%, but your staffing still does not get reduced by that far. Um, yep. Just... You may cut a couple here and there, but it's not gonna it's not gonna make up uh, you know the revenue uh, that you're gonna be losing. So exactly, what do you think your biggest challenge has been, and and for you guys in navigating COVID? Gosh, that's really a tough one to say. I guess it's sort of you know walking the line between being open, being viable, um, making sure that uh, we're able to, like I said, put put a good product out here for. Uh, the uh, people and the companies and uh, organizations that come out and rent the facility, um, but being able to do it in a responsible way uh, to make sure that we are COVID compliant as far as our signage goes uh, with the state of Georgia. Um, you know, we take precautions such as, you know, propping open restroom doors. Uh, if we have uh, shows that are inside our arena uh, that are ticketed type shows, if they're doing multiple shows, you know, we come through, sanitize and you know, we do the spray sanitizer and kind of fumigate everything between. Uh, we reduce the capacity uh, that all of the buildings hold. Um, so we've had to kind of re reimagine and redo setups, even for uh, banquet type things when we're doing something like uh, like that as a private event here, where we don't put eight people at a table um, anymore. We're we're having to reduce that. We we put four at a table, and we have to sort of spread the tables out, uh, you know, a little bit farther. So. We've had to reimagine you know, a lot of those things. Um, I will say, you know, we've always had, we've had several good things that have come out of it uh, with having to reimagine how we do a banquet setup to space things a little bit more. Um, as our, our um, director of operations said, I, he said, I'll tell you one thing, after all the pandemic is over, I know we'll be going back to putting eight people at a table at some point, but I'm going to keep the spacing and the layout the way we had to do this because this actually is easier for us to set up. And I think it, it presents a better product for the customer as well. So, you know, we've had some learning things in there where we, 
learned uh, quite a few things and found some better ways to do things. I think that's terrific. And we've, we've spoken with a lot of fairs about that, that, that one of their silver linings has been that, you know, and you know, this. there's so many, um, it's not just fairs, businesses as a whole that subscribe to the whole, well, we've always done it that way notion. And COVID didn't care how you've done it for the last 25 years. COVID told you you have to change. And for a lot of fairs that we've spoken with, either um, the layout that they had their fair and they kind of reduced things or maybe they changed traffic flow or, you know, that vendor that's always been on that corner that, that has to be on that corner because, you know, we've always done it that way. They realized that when they were able to take that vendor and move them another, you know, 25 yards down, it changed traffic flow. It was a more pleasant experience for the guests on their fairgrounds, as an example, or literally how they're parking cars. They said, you know, we're going to change how people come in one way in one way out. Um, you know, same thing with the parking lot, all those things mm-hmm. that now, like you guys just discovered that, you know, spreading these tables out a little easier to set up. It's probably easier for the guests too. Cause you, I mean, we've all been at, at IFE or some of these banquets where those tables are crammed in so tight. You can't walk between them. That's you right. Can't yeah. Maneuver. It's miserable. And so I, I'm really glad that you're, you know, there's been some, things you're looking at there you're going this could be a good change oh yeah that's right so we're we're looking forward to what the future has uh has in store um hopefully things are kind of get starting to get back to somewhat normal in different areas uh so we're we're curious to see uh with some of the other fairs and festivals uh that are scheduled and that are going to be taking place um the cherry blossom here locally uh, up in Macon, as well as the um, Strawberry Festival. Um, yep. They're kicking off down there in Plant City now, and uh, Florida State Fair is coming up here pretty soon. So, Yeah, yeah, I know everybody we've been talking with has been watching everything coming out of Florida really closely. We've been trying to get a bunch of Florida guests on the show. Um, you know, they're first in the nation for 21, so right. we're, we're wishing them all the best. Uh, as for you guys, it sounds like you're – Still, still able to have some events because um, I know for some like California, man, forget it. You're not even unlocking your doors. That's right. Um, but you're able to generate some non-fair revenue. It sounds like we are. We're we are still doing events. Um, we've had quite a few that have um, canceled and you know are not returning. You know, either you know due to you know fear of COVID concerns or just um, fear of I, we don't know how many people are going to show up for this and we don't want to risk it uh, that type thing um, but we're still doing quite a few livestock events uh, we've got the family motor coach association um, national rv rally they are actually moving in uh, this week here at the fairgrounds um, as well as we've got other conventions and um, you know small me- you know, meetings and uh, we do have some you know different types of shows uh, craft shows and that type thing um, those are still taking place. Uh, again, all of those we're trying to go through. We're doing COVID precautions. I mentioned like the restroom and sanitizing and those type things. But all of those shows have been very well attended. Um, everybody's been very happy um, coming out to those shows. Uh, you know, we've tried to monitor how many people are in the building at the time. We up and at this point, we've not had any issues. Uh, things have gone well. People are very respectful of other people's um you know, personal space and that type thing. Um, but for a lot of the shows, uh, we do quite a few dog shows here. Um, the dog shows, as well as some of the, uh, as well as like the livestock shows, things that we have traditionally done in the past as what we call an open to the public show, um, where they, they're they not doing tickets and it's not really 
designed for the general public, you know, to come out and buy a ticket, enjoy the show type thing, you know, so like with a, a dog agility show, but they don't mind if somebody wants to come out and sit in the stands and watch the dogs and watch the show and, you know, see the confirmation or, you know, we've got a draft horse show. They don't mind if people come out and they just enjoy uh, what they're doing because this is for their organization, but they don't mind people coming out and just enjoying, you know, seeing what they do because you never know. They may decide this is a, a hobby or a profession that I would like to get into, something I would like, I want to be a part of you guys. But uh, with the pandemic, that's one of the things that we've done to kind of uh, mitigate, um, you know, the amount of traffic on site um, is to take those events and we're not publishing those on our website and they're being run as a private event uh, where the general public uh, can't come out and just attend. It's just for the groups themselves. Right. But it still gives you an opportunity to keep the fairgrounds open and, and right. keep some revenue mo- moving. And God knows for those groups to actually be able to go do their event. It may not look like it does when you have, you know, three or four or 5,000 people coming out to watch your thing or, or attend your event. But, you know, you, you get some movement, you get a little bit of traction, which is really nice because I can tell you, I'm sure you're aware there are a lot of fairgrounds around this country that would be desperate to even do that right now. That's right. And we're, we are, we're very thankful, very blessed. Um, that the governor has given us uh, leeway here to be able to do do things as long as we do them safely. Well, and I think we've proven over and over again in this industry, we can do it safely. I was at the fair over in Abilene last September. It was my only event I did last year. We had everything everything canceled, including our, our uh, tour down in Australia. And I knew of all the events on my calendar, if anyone was going to happen, it would be West Texas, just because you, mm-hmm. you get that West Texas spirit. We're going to do what the hell we want to do. And <laughs> by right. God, Rochelle and that team did, they pulled it off and they did it safely. Uh, you know, this isn't new to us. We, you know, we've dealt with things before and, and we'll continue to deal with them. Looking ahead though, at 2021, you, you know, you're planning for this year. You're hoping it, it happens. I, I think somewhere around the summer, we really start seeing more events happen. I think things yes. get back in our favor, you know, with, with, I don't know what levels thresholds they got to get with, with between cases and, and vaccine to get some level of herd immunity. Um, but I think that time is, you know, the longer this goes um, with vaccine distribution, the better things are for all of us. So I'm curious what, you know, you still got to have that hard deadline for what a go, no go looks like. What's kind of approximately that date for you guys? Really and truly it, it's uh, probably drop dead date is around mid August um, for us, uh, much like it was last year. Um, as it is right now, we are planning full steam ahead. Uh, we're working on everything. Um, we're lining up our concerts, our uh, free entertainment. Um, the vendor applications are rolling in. Uh, so we're doing all of the traditional fair planning, um, getting ready for everything. Uh, of course, you know, we're, we're going through and, you know, making tweaks and changes here and there as far as, okay, we're, we're going to be adding, you know, more uh, hand washing station, more hand sanitizing areas, uh, we're, how will we be queuing some of the lines? Uh, our, our ride company, our ride company, Reithofer, uh, they have redesigned some of their queues and how people are lined up and spaced out, uh, you know, to social distance and, you know, we'll, we'll run them on the right side and then behind the Ferris wheel as opposed to in front of it. And you know, so they've done a lot of, um, rearranging and things like that. Um, so, you know, we're, we're working on all of those things, but we're, we're moving forward right now. We're planning everything and we're, we're hoping that um, hopefully um, I said by this fall, 
hopefully the bulk of the country has been vaccinated. Um, and, you know, we are moving on to, you know, clear sunny skies at that point and well, I uh, sure hope so. just continue to decline we hope so i i sure hope so i um this is just this has been a year from hell um but let's talk i'd like to get to know you a little bit better All here right. um is there anyone in the fair industry that you really look to as a role model gosh why don't you put me on the spot there i'm there gonna it is. i'm either there it gonna is. forget somebody or i'm gonna leave somebody out with, with the caveat that if your name is not mentioned in the answer to this question it is not personal i did just drop this one on him i like a bomb so <laughs> um i well marla calico i've always admired uh, marla very well um very much uh, she's always been a wealth of knowledge uh, nancy smith with uh south carolina state fair um i have always enjoyed just kind of picking Nancy's brain and talking to her uh, on various subjects, uh, especially with, you know, us both being Southern fairs, um, you know, there in South Carolina, we're in Georgia. Uh, so not too far apart. Um, I always enjoyed them. Of course, Stephen Shemp, our executive director here at Georgia National Fairgrounds uh, has always been a very close friend of mine and um, somebody that I've always looked up to as far as uh, his decision-making um, process. Uh, so those are entertainment uh you know, wise, uh, too many to name um, in there, to, to be honest. Um, you know, Dave Musselman and I have always had a great relationship, and uh, there's a few of those that they just, they know what I look for. Um, right. You know, when it comes to, you know, the type of show, like, yeah, you know, that's, you know, you know, that's not what I need. I need this, or I need that, and um, it's funny, because I, I get a little picky on, you know, uh, things and as I always uh, joke and tell, well, not it's not really a joke, but just I mean it is the honest truth. Um, when I'll see something I really like and hey, do you what do you think about this? This is great and I love it. You want to book it for this year? No. Well, why not? You said you love it. I do, but it has uh, it's a puzzle piece that doesn't fit for this year. It doesn't right. mean that it's not going to fit. It's going to work for me. It's going to fit into my fair. But it might be three fairs from now. Yeah. And that's yeah. because I, I'm always looking down the line, uh, you know, several years to what, what am I going to look? Uh, what are we going to do, you know, in the 2025 fair? I mean, it, honestly, in the back of my mind, I've, I have things that I've picked out down the line for 2022, 23, 24, 25 um, of acts that some we've never had before some may be acts that we've had and hey this was a great act it's too soon to bring it back i'm going to plan on doing this one for 24 this one for 25 so sure. you know i've already got those type of things so. so that that's interesting i'm when you do go to a trade show i'm curious what is it when you're walking up and down those aisles? Cause we kind of have a loud, I call it a loud trade show. I mean, we've got yes. stilt walkers and robots and fortune machines and magicians and jugglers and you name it. We've got it there. That's right. Um, what is it? How do you sort through all that? What's your approach to sorting through all that? And, and what is it that catches your eye that you go, whether it's for this year or five years from now that you go, that's a quality act. And, and I'm interested in it. What catches your eye? Gosh, that's really hard to say. Um, but, you know, just kind of me in a nutshell on that. Whenever I go, I, I literally have a shopping list. I literally take my shopping list with me that will have it spelled out that I need 
a, a roving act, uh, something that's going to be a street type show that will roam the fairgrounds for these dates. I need something stationary that will be at the North Gate. I need a stage type show that I'm going to put uh, down near the South Gate. I need an animal attraction for here. I need an R&B band here. I need a country band here. I've got my budget. I've got everything that I kind of need. I walk through and, and I look at it from that standpoint. Um, but at the same time, I'm also kind of taking inventory of if I'm looking for a, a strolling act and I kind of have in the back of my mind vaguely what I want, I may see something that, as I said, I really like this, but that's not for this year. That's too right. similar or that's, you know, similar to something I did three years ago or I just not for that area that I'm kind of targeting. That's not going to work but I'm going to file that away. Let me get some info that's going to go over here into my catalog for year after next uh, that I'm going to be looking at. So that's, that's kind of how I approach it. And I'm always looking to be honest for something that's, that's eye catching. And if it makes me stop, it's going to make the general public stop. Um, because when you're in the industry long enough, you get a little jaded as far as, you know, the novelty of something. Yes. So yes. if it makes you stop, is somebody who I've seen it all, but I stopped. Yeah. Well, somebody that hasn't seen it all is surely going to stop at this. Right. Um, but hey, every now and again, though, there's that swing and a miss where you see something and man, it is just the best thing since sliced bread. And yeah, it, it's funny. Uh, there's, there's, I've over the years, I've had a few things that, you know, hey, we got it here and just, gosh, that just didn't work. And, you can't really, you can't fault the entertainer because I'm looking at it going, this is the exact same thing that I saw in Vegas. They're doing a right. great job. I love it. And sometimes it just doesn't hit with your crowd. It just doesn't translate with our crowd. And what will be funny is I'll watch the crowds and like, they're just not taken to this. They're not reacting to this. I thought this was great. The other staff members that, you know, we were out there together, they all thought it was great too. We were all excited about it. And I'll talk to, and our people just don't take to it, but then I'll call other fairs and they'll talk about, oh yeah, we, we booked them, rebooked them for next year after the first day. You should have seen the people around them. God, <laughs> it wow. happens. Just why didn't that work for me? I so, think I mean, that's it, just kind funny. of a variance within the community. It, you know, yeah. you, you can't win. You can't, that's I used right. to say in my magic show when I, years ago when I was a magician, I would joke that. You can't please all the people all the time. And apparently all those people are in my show right now. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Sometimes that's the crowd that shows up for you. Yeah. And, you know, as an enter it kills as an entertainer because, you know, you know, you do a great job. Like I've had and I've done the same thing with Conjure Machine. I go out to OC Fair um, in 2019. I, I was setting records. I went through like an additional 15 or 1800 fortune cards that I'd never done before. Like it was so many people. I would go out and there would be 30 people waiting already almost every show. And I'm like, this is amazing. And then I go on to the next fair. I couldn't pay people to come up. And I'm like, what, <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Everybody loved me 10 minutes ago. Yeah. And, and it was just funny. And you, that's, you just can't pinpoint what that is or why exactly it just does not translate to some people. Yep. It happens. And there's nothing you can do, but just, you know, tip your hat to the performer, say, thanks for coming out and here's your check and good luck. Yep. That's right. Wow. 
So um, that kind of answers that question. If you've ever had anything that's just, you know, kind of failed miserably at your fair, certainly. I mean, an entertainer from time to time are going to be it. Uh, I'm curious on the the marketing side, and and I know you do more commercial sales, sales but are there any promotions? Because I know there's a bunch of the the marketing folks that listen. Um, are there any promotions you guys have done that you you tried and you went, man, that crushed, that absolutely knocked it out to, out of the park for us? Well, let's see. I mean, we've had different things. Uh, you know, of course, over the years, we've done the the dollar off coupons and uh, that type of thing in the newspaper. Um, we've done, uh, we partnered with uh, the Georgia Lottery to do, bring in a non-winning ticket and you know, get a dollar off. Um, our biggest things have not necessarily been the coupons, but when we have done special concerts and tied it in with the day, like we're going to do military appreciation. If you're active, retired, and reserve military, and we fall on Columbus Day, so they've got the day off. You get into the fair for free. Uh, we'll have a special concert that night. Um, you know, like we'd Lee Greenwood, you know, something like that, that is, that's specifically targeted. Uh, like we did Neil McCoy a couple of years ago. Uh, and I mean, that was a great one, you know, for the military appreciation. And, and we target that particular audience for that particular day. Um, just like when we've done some of our college night promotions, um, and those have worked well where we have reached out to, um, fraternities and sororities at uh, universities within an hour of here um, to go, hey, listen, we'll, we'll put together a package deal for you. Come out and have your, you know, do a sorority date night with us. We're going to have a special concert, you know, that kind of targets, uh, will skew towards a younger college age type audience. And those have worked really well for us where, you know, you get, you start getting several several fraternities and sororities involved and the word kind of spreads amongst, you know, their peer groups, uh, there, the university. And, uh, next thing, you know, you've got 15 sororities from one university and each one of those has a hundred girls and all of those girls are bringing a date with them. Yeah. You know, and it just kind of starts all of a sudden you bump up five, six, 7,000 in attendance just from, from one deal like that. That's right. That's cool. Well, and you guys, um, having married into the South with my wife being from South Mississippi, y'all take university things a little differently down there in SEC territory than uh, some folks in the rest of the country. I can tell you there's a lot of places that if you did that promotion, nobody would care. But y'all in the SEC, they're really they're very proud. They love to fly their colors. They're going to show up. They will turn up for an event like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They sure will. And that's one of the things. uh that we even try to do on Saturdays is, you know, hey, if we will try to have an area where we're just going to broadcast the the University of Georgia football game, we're going to be playing <laughs> the Bulldogs uh, down here on a giant jumbotron. So right. you don't have to miss the ball game; you can still come to the fair. Um, so you know, if you know, Daddy wants to go watch the football game, well, he can get a corn dog and a coke and some chili fries, hang out right here. We've got it, you know, playing on the big screen for you. Uh, let the kids go ride and, you know, mom can do what she wants yeah. to do. You know, still bring the family out and have a good time. And you don't miss your football game. No, I can tell you this. We were, what's it, funny, we were on the, uh, we were on Zoom with uh, Sarah's family last night. And her mom, Corey, reminded me that years ago, um, they were out here visiting at, uh, at Christmas time. And mm -hmm. the Saints were in the playoffs. So we didn't have ESPN at that point. 
we were cheap. We just had the basic over the air stuff. <laughs> she drags us out to Buffalo Wild Wings to go watch. She's like, I got to watch the football game. We get to B-dubs. There's only three playoff games on this uh, that day. They've got 740 televisions in there. They have it on one screen that's outdoors on the patio, and it's about 31 degrees outside. <laughs> but by God, she dragged us out there because she had to watch it. The Saints ended up losing. <laughs> but yes, y'all in the South, you take that football very seriously. And I oh, think much. that's very smart to have a big jumbotron up with the game on. Folks are going to come out and watch. Anybody from the rest of the country, I don't think, I mean, maybe Ohio, Michigan, uh, kind of get the vibe, but man, if you're not in the South, this college football is a religion in the South. Yeah, uh, that's that's absolutely right. Hey, I, the some of my really smart vendors uh, have figured out over the years that you know what, I'm just going to set up a television in my booth, and we're going to broadcast football on Saturdays. They've realized, yeah. oh, that that creates traffic uh, there, where all of a sudden they've got. 20 guys just standing there in their booth watching the uh, TV. And, you know, it's funny. You will, it may not be anything that these guys are interested in. It'll be a lady that's selling premier jewelry. Yep. Well, she's hawking and selling jewelry to these guys while they're in there. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're either buying it from her or they're calling their wives over. Just here, you just come talk to her. I'm tired of talking to her. Next thing I'm they're just watch selling. The football they're game. selling. So, yeah. They're just trying to watch the football game, but it it's it's a great marketing thing um, for those people that do that. So. I was going to say football is one of the best marketing tactics in, in the South. It, it really works. It's beautiful. I remember the first um, the first LSU game I ever went to. I mean, you got to keep in mind, I went to a little Division II school in Portales, New Mexico, which is just on the uh, New Mexico side from Lubbock, Texas, over that way in a little cow town where you – our football stadium fit like 1800 people. <laughs> and I, then I go to tiger stadium that at the time had like, I forget 94,000 before they did the expansion. And not only are there 94,000 butts in the seats in the stadium, but there's probably another hundred thousand people out around campus that are tailgating and watching on television out on campus. That's right. It is an insane experience. If anybody out there is a college football fan and you've never been to an SEC game, you got to go. Because I'm sure that I know I know LSU's, but I'm sure Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, they've all got it. And, you know, they've all got that religion around college football. It is wild. It's absolutely wild to see. Oh, yeah, it's it is a different type of experience. Um, I mean, Hey, I didn't go to Georgia. I went to Georgia Southern. So, you know, our stadium only holds about 25,000, but, uh, you know. <laughs> That's twice a, the number of people that lived in the college town <laughs> that I went to. Yeah. And like, like, Hey, so small stadium, but you know, we, we, we joke and we, we have such a good time with it because we literally park in the shadow of the upper deck. It falls into our tailgate area and, um, our, Non-COVID years, uh, our tailgate with our group, we have around 100 of us, you know, in our little group there that are there every single week, you know, with friends and family and, you know, everybody that kind of comes in and out. And uh, we always say, you know, you've got a good tailgate when at some point the president of the university and the athletic director are both coming by and hang out with you. For a <laughs> bit, so. 
Yeah, they um, LSU. The big thing is when Mike the Tiger, when the when their uh their costume mascot comes by and parties with. That's when you're like, oh yeah, we've got the good tailgate because yeah. the mascot showed up. That's when you've made it. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, it's uh, I I'm not personally a big. I'm a baseball guy. I'm not a big college football fan, but I I respect the uh the passion of those fans. They're they're definitely they're definitely down for it. So oh yeah. Well, listen, man, we're getting close to running out of time here. Um, I, before we go, everyone who comes on the show goes through a little series of speed round questions. Okay. So I'm going to ask you six quick questions. You give me your best answer for each. You ready? I'll do my best. These are really difficult. If you thought that other one was difficult, boy, oh boy. Well, thanks, Robert. I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> Question number one. iPhone or Android? Oh, Android all the way. Okay, there's something wrong with you, but that's all right. <laughs> Actually, I started out with I started out with Android, and and I don't know, Apple just works better with the Macs and everything. But yeah, good phone, it works. Favorite fair food. Favorite fair food. Uh, I'm gonna say euros. Best vacation destination you've ever traveled to. I, just the beach in general, as long as I'm with the family. Um, any beach will do. Good answer. Best concert you ever attended? Best concert ever attended, uh, Rolling Stones. Name a fair you haven't been to yet, but you'd like to go see. Mm, I would say the Big E. That's on my list, too. And last question. You'll get a laugh at this one because we all know what's happening. <laughs> when you go to the IFE trade show on the last day of the trade show, is your badge facing forward or backwards? Mine usually faces backwards from the moment I step in. <laughs> I love the honesty. I love the honesty. Oh, it, it's funny. That's always one of the jokes with us is uh, is whenever we take somebody new on staff with us, uh, Stephen, our executive director, he'll he will walk in. A lot of times, he'll turn his backwards, and so I, well, why did you turn your badge backwards? No, no, you'll figure it out in just a minute. Yeah, about and, twelve seconds later, they yeah. figure it out. Yeah, they start to. They'll go, good gosh. You, and they'll look at me later on and go, you know, everybody in this trade show, every time somebody would see, they didn't care about me. They would just see what, you know, Georgia National Fair. And they would, where's Ashley? Have you seen him? Is he in here? Did he come with you? Where is he? Where is he? <laughs> and so I, I literally every day, you know, they'll just start handing me notes of this guy said, come see him. And this lady wants you to come see her. He said, you've got his number. Give him a call for a drink later. And so it's, it's funny. It's a lot of fun though. That's why I do enjoy the trade show is, is just to work through there because I've, you know, again, after 17, 18 years, you get to know so many people. So, you know, everybody's yep. friends and family. So I just love working through there. Yeah. My first trade show was 2009. <clears throat> and I want to say somewhere around 2000, maybe 2016, um, is when I started coming back from conventions and it's not just IFE, Florida fairs, Texas, mm -hmm. all of them. I come back from conventions and Sarah would be like, so did you get any bookings? And I'd go, uh, um, I had great conversations with people and it's not that it's not for lack of trying. It's just that I, I didn't even, I just talk to people now, like you come by, we visit. And all of a sudden I'm like, we didn't even talk about his fair. <laughs> we just caught up on things, you know? But see, but that is one of the great things, uh, you know, like a lot of times with somebody like me is, hey, I, you know, it's always in the back of my mind. I'm doing the relationship building and, yep. you know, when down the line on different things where 
couple of years later, like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to book him. Yeah. This is already somebody that, you know, that you feel like you've got an established relationship with somebody that is like, I can trust this person to come in where I'm not going to have to hold their hand. I don't have to worry about their level of professionalism. This is somebody I already trust, even though we haven't worked together. I can just yep. bring them, bring them in like family, turn them loose and go here, take, do your job, take care of things. You got my number. Call me if you need me. I'm around here. So, yep. And you and I have spoken at, at I think at zone two at Florida fairs once. And uh, I, I just came up to you and I asked you, I said, so what, it's something about like, what's your approach to that? And you kind of, you let me in on that, you know, I'm sometimes looking three, four five years ahead. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, you know what I do? <laughs> Give me a buzz yeah. if I'm on that list. And then it made it real easy because now when we see each other, we just visit. We just catch up on, hey, how'd your fair go? What's what's new with you? Um, I think other performers would be a lot more successful if they uh, if they would take that approach. Yeah, and I, and, and I completely agree with you. I mean, that's that's me. A lot of times is like you said, I'm working three, four, five years down the line where I've got things in mind, and I've always I've got things in my mind. I know what's going to work at some point, and I know what probably won't, and you know, and I try to just be honest with people like, look, this, if I know something's not going to work for my particular crowd, hey, look, I can be your friend. I can talk with you. But this just is not going to work for me. Um, sure. And there's there's lots of times like I had to have a conversation um, you know, with uh, it was a, uh, a musical artist and she wanted to come. And I said, I'm just going to be honest with you. I cannot book you. This is just your style of music is not going to work whatsoever for the people that we have for our fair goers. I yep, said, now yep. don't take that as an insult because I think that you are an incredibly wonderful, talented artist. I have got all of, you know, you sent me a CD. I've got that. It stays in my car. I have listened to it on repeat so many times that I can sing every word mm -hmm. to every single one of your songs I want to come see you perform live. I am a I'm a huge huge fan of yours right now, and I mean you're going to be a national artist. I just I know you are. You are that good and that talented, and you know like if you haven't noticed on Facebook, literally every time you post a video, I hit share. I'm sharing your right. stuff. That's how much I believe in you. But it doesn't work for what I'm trying to book you for. So. Uh, don't don't take that to mean that you're not good i think you are gosh you're talented right, it just doesn't right. work for me and that that's a lot of times with other different types of you know things uh, as far as the, the free entertainment is just because it doesn't work for my clientele or the people that we have at my fair it doesn't don't give up it's going to work right. for another fair or a different festival of course and some of the stuff that i'm booking they couldn't possibly book it wouldn't work for them it's just Absolutely. Different types of people, different regions of the country. Some things work, some don't. Yep. I had one fair man or uh, entertainment director that, that gave it to me straight once that just said, listen, we do a whole theme at our fair and we really like the fortune machine. And in a couple of years, um, you know, we're doing such and such a theme and we're thinking that's when you would work out. And I went, oh, okay, cool. And then otherwise it was just visiting with them time to time over the next few years. And then she comes up to me at one of the trade shows and she says, oh, by the way, um, put us down for your calendar. We, you know, we want you in for this thing, just like that poof. And that's just how it works. And the other thing that I think a lot of entertainers got to uh, look at the big picture on, this may not be the case with you because you've been with Georgia national for so long, but at a lot of these fairs, especially when you're dealing with 
young talent up and coming um, within the industry where there's some, there's mobility, they're going to change and go to, you know, that 23 year old person who does marketing right now might be the entertainment manager somewhere else in five years. That's right. And, and this is not a short-term proposition for me or for, you know, for most of these entertainers in the industry, get to know as many people as you can, because you never know when they're going to make a jump and then they've got the, they can make the decision. And because you have a good relationship with them, there's no sales involved. They just call you up and say, Hey, Robert, you know, I'm at this new fair now. Are you available in October? That's right. That's it. Good relationships are the way to do it. So listen, the relationships, they definitely make a big difference and not calling any names, but there's you know, like when I start to work with um, say an agency, I develop a relationship with the agent. That's who my person is. That's who I deal with. And it'll happen from time to time where, you know, okay, well, this person knows what I'm looking for and I'll go to call them and they, you know, they won't be there or a lot of, or the agency a lot of times will call me and go, well, Hey, um, you know, we're, we booked this with you last year. Okay. Well, where's Joe? Yeah. Uh, well, he, he's not here anymore. We had to let him go. Uh, you know, we kind of downsized. Okay. Well, where is he? I mean, just in general, <laughs> you know, do you have his phone number? Well, I mean, I could get that for you. Well, I'd appreciate that because he's who I book entertainment with. I don't know you. You're not, uh, you don't, you don't know my son's name. Right. Joe does. Right. I'm, I'm going to call Joe. You know, we have a relationship. We worked for three years together. He knows what I'm looking for. You guys don't. So yeah, that's who, uh, that's who I'm going to go with. Right. And I tend, that's, I I I follow the agents. I'm never tied to an agency. You know, I build relationships with the agents themselves. And if they leave that agency to go to another one, yep, I, my business usually goes with them too. Well, unless, uh, you know, if you have a good, good relationship with them and then maybe they're just getting out completely, they're going to go, you know, be yeah. an accountant or go do something else. In which oh, case, different. if you've got that strong relationship, they're going to say, you know, hey, Ashley, I'm getting ready to retire. Or I'm gonna, I'm leaving the agency, but, you know, I want to get you in touch with so-and-so. Yeah. And they're going to facilitate that beginning you know the building blocks of building that relationship with the next agent in line with you that's right so that's exactly right and yeah and again that happens too where i've got you know people that hey listen i'm leaving at the end of the year i'm changing jobs oh man i hate to hear that you know i've enjoyed working with you you know sure well you're gone i'm you know i'll work with uh you know somebody else uh we'll have to kind of break in somebody new but again Generally, for those things, I like to meet those people at the convention where I can, it's more than a voice on the other end of the phone. I want to talk to them, sit down, have a drink with them, speak with them face to face, you know, where we can kind of chit chat, you know, again, it's it's like dating. You're forming a relationship. You've got to build a relationship and kind of court each other a little bit and, you know, kind of get to know each other. And, and to me, just everything works so much better with entertainment at that point, because you you know what each expects of the other. Exactly. Exactly. Well, listen, boss, we're just about out of time here. If folks want to get in contact with you, how can they do that? Uh, sure. Well, my email is uh, a brown. That's a b r o w n at g n f a dot com, like Georgia National Fairgrounds Nagar Center. A brown at gnfa dot com, or uh, my direct line is four seven eight nine eight eight six five one one. That's here at the fairgrounds. 
I, I suspect a lot of entertainers are going to hear that in your phone and he's going to start writing over emails. <laughs> I'm guessing your email blows up anyway on a regular basis. Yeah, it, just, it does, yes. <laughs> you've got one of those fairs that's, that at 10 or 11 days is in in October, is everybody's gunning for it. And it's, I don't know, you know. It is. Hey, listen, I have notifications on my phone turned off for emails um, because otherwise yeah, yeah. it would all night long ding, 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 <laughs> ding. Uh, <laughs> so I just have the notifications turned off so I just go check it. I, um, I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. Ashley Brown, Director of Commercial Sales for the Georgia National Fair. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, thanks, Robert. Great talking with you. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.